Good evening and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HOLivingLoco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to like and follow, subscribe, or hit whatever button you have to to get the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. On today's episode, we are going to be recapping what exactly transpired in the Game 3 of Calgary versus Winnipeg in this play-in series, and uh, spoiler alert, was a bit of a mess. I'll be covering a few overarching themes with the forwards, maybe some special teams talk, and then kind of breaking down some of the implications going forward for Thursday's match, which is actually going to be at 10.30 p.m. Eastern and 9.30 p.m. Central, so another late-night game, which I'm not a huge fan of. But, grousing aside, let us start off with our game recap. Uh, Let's get it out of the way. Winnipeg lost 6-2, and it was a pretty brutal game in the sense that Winnipeg kind of self-inflicted a lot of wounds and also just was a little bit slower than usual. Both teams are coming off of a back-to-back, but I think Calgary was a lot faster and a lot fresher, especially with a full roster. Winnipeg is basically, you know, scrapping together lineups out of spare parts and guys who weren't really supposed to play in the playoffs because... Guess what? Mark Shifley, Mason Appleton, and Patrick Laine are all still injured. As if that wasn't enough, Winnipeg's favorite villain in Sam Bennett, who actually hasn't gotten a whole lot of attention despite the fact that I think he's been one of the dirtier players in this series, uh, actually took out Matthew Perot along Calgary's bench. Now this hit for me didn't get called, and I I think it was uh, pretty dirty in my opinion because the play was nowhere near the puck. Um, You know, Perot certainly didn't have the puck, and, you know, Bennett basically lined him up, took him out, and, you know... Perot sort of crumpled into the boards, and you could actually see his knee buckle slightly. Brian Burke on the Sportsnet crew actually thinks that that's going to get looked at by the Department of Player Safety because it was a pretty ugly hit. It was needless. And again, I think this is just further evidence that Calgary has been kind of gooning it up the series, which, you know, all told is not surprising. I think Calgary right now is dealing with a, a dearth of talent. You know, they've got guys like Milan Lucic in their top nine, and a lot of depth players perhaps playing in roles above their pay grade. I think when you look at the Jets and Flames, they both have a lot of similarities in the fact that their top nine talent is not actually as good as it looks. Both teams are a little bit thin on high-end scoring talent, and to be honest, goals at even strength have been a little bit absent from most of the series. A lot of the scoring has been coming on special teams, especially for the Calgary Flames. Now, as far as that's concerned, I, I think that that is a significant problem, but We'll talk about special teams in a little bit because I think that is a major point of contention for the series and one of the biggest storylines. But at even strength, I thought Winnipeg did about as well as it could. Uh, I think that the Jets were okay for the most part. Unlike yesterday when I felt the Jets generally had control of the game, this game was a lot choppier, a lot scrappier. The puck was kind of bouncing in odd areas. Uh, For some reason, they kept testing Hellebuck from all sorts of weird distant point shots and from very sharp angles where they looked you know, it looked like they were going for rebounds and stuff. At no point in this game did Hellebuck really seem all that settled. He was kind of uh, bouncing around a lot, and I felt like his body language and his slightly later reads and reactions were not exactly typical of what you'd expect from him. As far as the forwards are concerned, I felt like uh, Janssen Harkins was fine. Um, Andrew Kopp was pretty good. Aside from that, though, there aren't that many positives to take away. The clear standout performer for the Jets is absolutely Nikolai Ehlers, who, you know, after scoring yesterday during a pretty rough game for himself, absolutely owned Calgary today. 
He was everywhere, creating chances left and right. He was getting into really greasy, dangerous scoring areas. He had so many individual scoring opportunities himself and looked to set up his linemates at all times. It was really a complete dominant performance from Nick, and he absolutely was Winnipeg's best skater by a country mile today. Cop, I thought, was pretty good as well. I think that he was able to create some offensive opportunities and get into spaces where he might be a little bit more dangerous than some of the other forwards. I think the biggest issue with this team right now is that they just don't have a lot of support on the flanks. You know, you've got Kyle Connor, who, again, was kind of absent. I mean, he's just sort of there, and I'm really frustrated with his performance, especially split apart from Mark Shifley. Wheeler also wasn't engaged a whole lot, and I think that this is a running trend with both Connor and Wheeler in that on this top line, they both seem a little bit overmatched and a little bit out of place with Cop in the middle. And it's not like it's Cop's fault, because both of those guys struggled even with Shifley when he was healthy. So I, I don't really know what to do with this line, other than I, I think it definitely needs to be broken up, but that's something that I've said for a while now, and it still hasn't happened. The second line was pretty okay. You know, Ehlers definitely led the way. Uh, Perot was there. He did have one or two minor indiscretions as far as penalties are concerned, but I thought Perot, for, you know, for the rest of the game was pretty okay. Um, he had a nice, I believe, a nice opportunity where he basically grinded out some possession in the slot area and tried to create an offensive opportunity. Unfortunately, that hit took him out for the rest of the game and potentially for the rest of the series. So, again, Winnipeg's thin forward court continues to get thinner, and things are not looking great. Our favorite whipping boy, Cody Eakin, was, you know, not really terrible, just not particularly good either, and I think by Jet standards, he was definitely one of the worst forwards on the ice. He's supposed to be faster than Matt Hendricks, but I, I tend to think that he's actually behind the play a lot, because he doesn't really seem to have uh, good prediction ability where, where he needs to place himself, especially when he needs to head off play. I think that when he's at full speed and carrying the puck, he can actually be pretty okay. It's just that he doesn't really have the positional awareness and attacking awareness to make those, you know, pretty good reads and get into those positions where he can be a dangerous threat. And unfortunately, his most valuable tool set, which is his uh, his really powerful shot, has basically been neutralized because he's not even getting his shots off to begin with. The third line was fine. Uh, Jack Roslovic actually had to get promoted once Perot went down, and then Roslovic took a puck off his skate and was briefly injured, so that's not really ideal. Uh, I think as far as Janssen Harkins is concerned, he was okay. Didn't really have as strong of a game as he did yesterday, but, uh, you know, it's not really shocking. This is his second ever career playoff game, and he really doesn't have all that many NHL games under his belt. Still, he had a couple of opportunities that, you know, almost clicked and almost connected with a couple of good offensive rushes and some odd man situations. So overall, I think he was fine enough given the rest of the performances. To my eye, I think the fourth line itself got pretty much caved. Nick Shore was one of the few guys able to create any sort of space, and it was clear that with Zach Renato being replaced by uh, Mark Jankowski, that fourth line advantage kind of went away immediately because Bork and Shaw unfortunately can't really keep up at this level. You know, overall, I think the general theme from Winnipeg at even strength was that they were a touch slower than they were yesterday, and you could tell that they were a lot more fatigued, especially when they had to chase the game. Up next, we'll talk a bit about special teams and ultimately what our future lineup in the rest of the series could potentially look like because I think Winnipeg is getting close to the point of no return. Now we move on to talking about my favorite part of the series, the special teams. And if you have heard me talk about past episodes involving the Jets and special teams, especially recently, you probably know that I am not exactly thrilled with the way it's been trending. Uh... Let's just say that the power play in this playoff series has been nothing short of uh, shambolic. I think calling it embarrassing would not be quite far enough. It's just, it's it's something else, man. Now, here's the thing. Like, I get that losing Patrick Line 
definitely changes the identity of your power play unit, but even when Line A was healthy, this power play sucked. And part of the issue continues to be the fact that, unfortunately, Neil Pionk is just not really a great point pivot, and that's how Winnipeg wants to run this scheme. They always go for a lot of perimeter passes before they cut inwards uh, below the goal line, which, you know, I understand the theory, and I also think that they expect to get more uh, lateral cross-ice passing between the flanking wings on either side, like a direct pass across, but here's the thing. It's not working. Teams have figured it out, and when Pionk opts to take a shot and just yeet it from the point or try and pass it to Line A that's a really, really slow pass and completely read the entire way, your power play unit just doesn't have any options. Line A has mostly been neutralized by the fact that he just isn't getting passes with any sort of speed and force, so it's ending up, you know, right into the breadbasket of most goaltenders. And that's really not acceptable. I mean, we have one of the best goal-scoring threats in the entire NHL, and again, he's been completely neutralized, and that's when he was healthy. Without Line A, things have gotten even worse. This power play barely seems to know what to do because there's no real trigger man that the Jets can see. I think the best evidence of this was when they had the 5-on-3 power play and mustered like three or four whole shots, none of which were all that dangerous, and none of them from actually good scoring areas. Tonight they had a couple more power plays, but again, they didn't really do anything. Aside from the one goal cop scored on the you know power play man advantage, that was a really nifty individual effort. There's just not really much going on as far as the rest of the players are concerned. And uh, I don't really think that, that is going to change particularly soon. To make matters worse, the penalty kill has been even even more, I guess, embarrassing. I don't know what to even say about it. It's below 70%, and to be honest, the penalty kill has just been really atrocious. I mean, guys are missing markings, players are, you know, having miscommunications on the back end. It's just really bad. I mean, you see Elias Lindholm walking in uh, because Nate Beaulieu didn't see the cross-seam feed. That was a diagonal pass, and uh, Lindholm basically just burns him completely walks in on that and ties the game after, I forget who had the first goal, I think it was Ehlers. You know, I know that Hellebuck is superhuman, but he can't stop everything, and I think that this series is doing a good job of showing why the Jets' special teams are really sinking them heavily. You know, Winnipeg at even strength has actually been capable, if not decent to good, depending on the game. Doesn't really count for a whole lot, though, when you surrender like three power play goals. Almost all of Calgary's scoring is coming on the man advantage or even on the penalty kill, so that's not really an ideal situation. The special teams units that the Jets are running right now and the tactics they're using are just not working out at all, and it seems like they haven't changed. I do get that the lack of personnel, including Shifley and Line A, definitely changes your approach and forces you to do things that you're probably not comfortable with, but even when these guys were healthy, special teams continued to be a problem. And again, they are really hurting Winnipeg right now, more so than ever before, I would say, because now they can't even get power play scoring. I really feel that no matter who comes out of the series, the special teams will probably be my primary takeaway aside from the injuries, because I think the special teams were uh, noticeably worse for the Jets than they've ever been. I mean, this power play just could not do a single thing. And the, the problem with all of that is, Yes, they're definitely down quite a few talented forwards, but they still have plenty of talent as it is, and yet they're not willing to adapt the structure to fit who is on their roster. The flip side of that is, yes, it's really hard to change your power play, especially in a very short series where you're playing back-to-backs and you've already lost two of your most crucial players. But I think that's why you have to be very prepared for all of these situations and try and have at least a backup plan in place. The problem that the Jets often run into is when their plan A fails, they don't really have an effective plan B or even a plan C. It's kind of, you know, just ride it out to the end of the game and then hope that the changes that you come up with for your next plan A or B pan out in, I guess, the next game. 
Right now, Winnipeg is on the verge of elimination, so you know whatever plan the Jets are going to come up with, they have to figure it out sooner rather than later. They also need to figure out what exactly to do with Neil Pionk, because one of their most prominent defensemen throughout the regular season has completely pumpkined out, unfortunately, and it's, it's happening at the worst time. I think what's going on with Pionk is that the Jets are asking him to improvise more, especially as they start to use more overlapping routes and switches to determine who's going to be the puck carrier and the zone transition expert. Pionk just doesn't handle these more complex reads particularly well, especially when they need him to make decisions. When Neil has like a very clearly defined role and he knows exactly where he needs to go, I think that that works best for his particular approach to hockey. And that's not really, you know, an issue that should hold the Jets back, but it's really killing Pionk right now. He's made a lot of turnovers. He's had a number of miscommunications. Some of them are not necessarily his fault 100%, but he's had a lot of issues. And I feel like for one of your most prolific offensive defensemen and puck-carrying defensemen to struggle as much as he is right now, it means that the system changes probably need to be rolled back. Pionk can be a very effective player when he's used in the specific roles that he really excels at. You know, the power play's probably not 100% one of them in the usual sense, but certainly at even strength he's been, I would say, fairly reliable. This series, though, has been a bit of a disaster for him, and it's unfortunate because I think when he's on his, when he's on his game and he's at his best and feeling very comfortable, he can be really effective and fun to watch. But this series has just been an absolute disaster for the most part, and it hasn't really improved all that much, just a few less turnovers here and there. One of the sequences tonight where you know he got caught behind the net ended up, I think, leading to Matthew Tuchuk's goal, and then he had another situation where Hellebuck should not have been behind the net, but Pionk didn't really seem to recognize the situation and skated with the puck behind and ended up like trying to lay it off to Hellebuck. Hellebuck kind of freaked out, didn't know what was going on because Helly just does not play pucks well, and it ended up in a really embarrassing goal against that I think is the one where Hellebuck was facing the net while doing a split. That just about sums up the evening for the Jets, and I feel like it's a, a fitting metaphor for what the series has been for Winnipeg, which is they can play well at certain points, but when they make these dumb mistakes, you know, on top of the injuries that they've suffered, most of which they really couldn't do anything about, it's just been a bit of a disaster. I mean, they can play so well for certain stretches, but eventually they get exposed, and I think when they get exposed is when they start to collapse. Unfortunately, the exposing happened quite frequently this evening to the point where even Milan Lucic had a power play goal, and I don't think Lucic even really had a particularly great touch on that second chance opportunity that he scored off of. Just a tough one, and then, you know, on our next little segment, we're going to talk a bit about what this means going forward for the Jets, because I, I think that their options and time are running out, and ultimately what the implications are if they win or if they lose. I said coming into the postseason that I would accept whatever result and outcome occurred with the Jets because either way, I felt like Winnipeg could make out like a bandit if they lost and got the first overall pick, which they currently have a 12.5% chance at, or if they won in advance, they had a chance to make a deeper run. I think the second you know, form of hope is pretty much done. I don't think the Jets can really do anything, and they were going to have an uphill battle anyways. I mean, this team, even when at full strength, was really struggling to create much at even strength. And the Flames are just not that great of a team to get a sense of how good you are because the Flames themselves are just not that good. With the sheer volume of injuries to key players that Winnipeg has now suffered, you know, even even guys like uh, Tucker Pullman have been banged up. I mean, Pullman took a shot off the side of his face tonight and had to get stitches. So everyone's banged up. Everyone's tired. I think Winnipeg used a lot of energy last night. Hellebuck looked a lot slower than he usually does. Uh, you know, he did make a number of great saves, but he also had some situations where he made uncharacteristic mistakes or ones that ended up costing the Jets 
this team's just running out of steam, and it's kind of crazy because you would think, you know, the playoffs just started, but I think with how much double duty everyone is having to pull in the absence of guys like Shifley and Line A, things are just pretty grim. You know, in the next game that the Jets play, which will be on Thursday, I'd imagine that one of Mark Letestu or, you know, uh, David Gustafson draws in probably Letestu because I think Maurice will opt for the Vets here, and Nick Shore maybe gets promoted to to the third line or something. Winnipeg just doesn't have enough roster players to carry the weight for the amount of goal-scoring threat that they've lost, and I think that that is abundantly clear, especially in a series where Calgary has kind of gooned it up. I think that the Flames have played a particular style that really clashes against what the Jets have tried to do, and it's really paying dividends for the Flames, but hurting Winnipeg pretty terribly, literally, as it were, and figuratively. Uh, And so going forward, I think the Jets just have to try their hardest, put their best foot forward, and hope for it to all pan out because I think the reality is the Jets are are definitely underdogs they always have been even though Calgary is also pretty bad and Winnipeg could have beaten them it would have been tight you know it's going to be a tough struggle especially if the Jets got undisciplined like they have in this series although I will call the officiating in this particular series pretty suspect it's just not been good at all but that aside you know the Jets have to do what they can in the areas of the ice and of the game that they can control and thus far they just haven't done enough it's really a shame because I feel I feel bad for the team in a lot of respects. I think that they got dealt a pretty crappy hand. Management hasn't really been good enough to give them the tools that they need to succeed. And the coaching staffs really aren't helping them as much as you'd hope. You know, Cody Eakin being your second line center is probably not an ideal situation. And the the back line is basically composed of guys who would be third pairing or worse on most other teams. But Winnipeg has had to elevate these players to higher levels of positioning. This offseason is going to be, again, another important offseason for the Jets, which we said last season, and that didn't really change anything. But, you know, I would like to see Kulikov extended on a decent deal. I'd like to see DeMello extended. And yes, Kulikov, I know you'll probably say why, but I think he's actually been pretty decent. And frankly, the Jets just don't have many uh, reliable veteran NHLD that they can really call upon and hang on in case any of these prospects don't work out. I think it's also time to figure out what to do with Kyle Connor. I know that this is going to sound radical, but I think Kyle just doesn't really fit what the Jets need right now. Yes, he brings a lot of goal scoring, but he also brings a lot of elements to his game that have held the Jets back. And I feel like at some point, you know, the Jets are going to have to reconcile the fact that he is only really useful at one particular aspect, but his net value, because he's bad at a lot of other things, makes him a really questionable uh, talent acquisition. I see a fit with the Oilers who desperately need high-end goal scoring to match along somebody like uh, Connor McDavid, and Kyle would absolutely fit with McDavid in the sense that McDavid can give him the space creation and playmaking that Kyle desperately needs to get going. I I think Connor on his own just can't handle things, but if he got paired with McDavid, you know, McDavid could make a a fifth liner look like a 30-goal scorer, and alongside McDavid Connor could really kind of step into his own and be a high-end, you know, 40 or 50 goal scorer. And Edmonton would pay a lot for that. That's the thing is I think Edmonton would give the Jets a king's ransom for a player like that. So I would think about whether or not Kyle Connor really has a long-term future with the Jets because as nice as his goal scoring is, there's so many other elements of his game that I, I struggle to really enjoy. And I think that at some point that conversation needs to be had about what is his future here. Ailers should be untouchable. Line A, I would definitely also put as close to untouchable unless a really great offer came along. You know, most of these guys, I think, should be traded only in emergency situations or where somebody gives you an offer you simply can't refuse. But as far as Kyle Connor is concerned, the Jets should explore what to do with him because 
He's expensive, he's very talented, but he may not be the best fit for this team right now or in the near future. If you guys have hot takes about that, be sure to let me know at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets or at my personal Twitter at HLLivingLoco and tell me how much I suck at my hockey opinions and give me a better trade alternative so we have some fun content to discuss in the next episode. Thank you so much for listening. Before you log off, be sure to check out our Locked On National podcast hosted by Sarah Avampato. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great night and go Jets go.